Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Deputy Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, it's all about Google and a bit of Samsung. There's just a lot of stuff happening in the Android world. And joining us to talk about all that is senior writer Sam Rutherford. Hey, Sam. Hey, how you doing? Doing okay. I'm sad we didn't get to talk to you last week because uh, maybe you can give us some Quest 3 insight, too, from your hands on. But yeah, Sam and Sherlyn covered uh, the Made for Google event in New York City. Made by Google. Yet another <laughs> Made by Google, Made for Google um, same, same, same eventually will be abandoned by Google. How about we call it oh, that? No. Um, it's, it's, is this like the cap end of all the crazy events we've been doing? So you guys just cover that in New York. We'll be diving into all that. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. Drop us a review on iTunes and also send us emails at podcastandgadget.com. We've gotten some nice notes from people, and I know from people who miss the live stream. I'm still thinking of a solution because it'll be something we have to do on our own. But uh, yeah, we're still thinking about it. Sit tight. Okay, so the Made by Google event. I feel like every time Google does one of these, it's the worst kept secret because they can't help but leak every bit in a in an attempt to generate some hype, which I think is kind of non-existent. But I don't know. We got new Pixels. We got the Pixel Watch 2. There's some updates to the Pixel Buds Pro. Sam and Trillin, like, what are what are the highlights for you all? I mean, I, I saw these devices uh, a little bit ahead of time. Um, there was something I alluded to on an earlier episode where I was like, hey, you know, I can't talk about this right now, but we're like in the middle of dying. Remember, it was like uh, Microsoft, Amazon, that GB. was two weeks ago week. when I was there, yeah. Right, and I was all like, there's one more thing going on. What was going on was that was when Google also had its briefings for us to go and check out the Pixel phones and watch ahead of time, um, which meant we were also, uh, you know, just additional point of stress, right? Um, but for me, I'm curious what Sam thinks because I Sam wasn't able to attend. I went and saw both the uh, watch and phones in person and was quite intrigued by what I saw. But I've known about these for a while. There's no like freshness about the hardware for me. I want to see like Sam now having seen them in person. That's true. It's your event. first time. Yeah. What do you What do you think? And this is the Pixel Eight and Pixel Eight Pro. Just to yes. be clear. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so I think this is like really Google's. Finally, uh, like capitalizing on, hey, their their core strength has always been software, and to a lesser, to a somewhat lesser extent, AI, and they're really kind of finally putting those like strengths into the phone in a way that feels tangible. Because the whole the whole buzzword for the last like six months or whatever has been AI, AI, AI. and it's generative, like, yeah, yeah, and and so people's like, oh, you can go and play around with Chat GBT or Mid Journey or stuff like this. But it, it's like it's more of like an exercise and just like checking out something new. And it seems like some of the camera features, especially, is Google's finally putting that to use in a more tangible way that makes it 
I think a little bit more approachable for everybody uh, to use. And I think the best example of this is probably the magic editor where they're going to use generative AI to do that sort of like Adobe Photoshop content fill situation, except that you, so you can highlight something and then move it out of the way. And it's going to use AI to fill in, you know, they showed off a picture of like someone moving a tent uh, during the thing. And I think the best example of they used it to show um, someone who was dunking a ball, but they jumped off kind of like a bouncy trampoline situation and then just magic, <laughs> magic edited that whole thing out and it looks pretty flawless that's kind of cool to, to google's credit too like I, I just want to point out pixel phones ai they've been talking about this since the beginning for like seven years and i do feel like the one google team's like hey guys uh finally ai in products yeah. this is what we've been doing right so, Helen? yeah so i've been saying this to people and i think sam you heard me talk about this at a conversation we had at the event too but i i want to make this point very clear and we've we, we've been a, 2023 has been a year where generative ai like sam said has been the catch hot word but nobody has the what it takes, I think, the way Google does to put generative AI on the phone. Because Meta can talk about generative AI all at once that is, uh, you know, whatever the event just was. <laughs> I didn't pay attention. Uh, and and <laughs> Microsoft can talk about Bing AI forever. Uh, ChatGPT can exist on the internet forever. But Google, at least with the Pixel 8 and Pixel 8 Pro launch, has been able to bring that to the assistant on your phone. And it enables things like you can, when you're reading, say, an Engadget review on your Pixel 8 or 8 Pro, you can long press the power button or summon the assistant and be like, summarize this article, give me a highlight, ask it to do things on the phone. And I don't know if all the processing is being done on device. What I think is that Google is putting it within easy reach for yeah. people. And I think this is what alone will give Google an advantage here. We are going to see, I think, Apple do that with Siri eventually. But right now, uh, Google They're has not something. really. Yeah, Apple no, did not well, mention AI much, like during either the iPhone. Yeah, it won't talk about generative AI, but I can see Siri is getting a bit smarter. I think Siri is getting a bit more conversational, but we're still not there yet with Apple and Siri. We are seeing Google uh, sort of dive headfirst and take the lead, and I'm very excited. It's kind of it's kind of cool. And let's take a step back here. Like yes, we exactly. give Google a lot of shit, and I specifically give Google a lot of shit because yes. I've been here since they have been doing <laughs> debuting all these products. I've been in an event where Google literally showed off a product and never launched it. You know, yeah, Nexus yeah. Q. I remember that whole thing. <laughs> um, this has been a long road for Google, right? Because Android started. It was all third party stuff. I remember the like the original Samsung Galaxy launch event. I remember all those third parties. It took Google some time to get in and do it itself. They had the Nexus phones, which I thought were pretty cool, but they always felt like iPhone also ran. And the whole idea behind the new Pixel line, new, seven years old, was that Google has all these AI smarts and they can do something a little different, maybe not have the fastest processors in the land because historically their chips have been slow, um, but use Google smarts to do something more. So they did debut groundbreaking features like, uh, what was it, Night Sight? the like complete night footage. I, I linked to some of that stuff, Sherlyn. Um, basically like the ability to take photos in very little to no light. Like that's mostly AI processing and Google's end. That's something other companies eventually caught up with. Yes. And I think Apple it took Apple a long time because Apple is going the more, hey, we got more cameras, we have better camera sensors. And Google's going more, Software. We have really good software that can like figure out all this stuff along with like a single camera sensor for a long time. So anyway, it's been a long road, but I do feel like this moment is kind of paying off for Google, right? Because the Tensor G3 processor in both of these new phones, they say it's a lot faster. It can run more models. It could do more stuff on device. So that's interesting. That's certainly different than what iPhone is doing, right? 
I was going to say, like, we don't really know the full details into, like, the design process of Tensor G3. There's not a lot we know, but we did get, like, numbers about how much better it is uh, than the one on the Pixel 6, which is, by the way, the G1. Um, I also kind of wanted to step back and go over what are the, some of the highlights of the Pixel 8 and 8 Pro. Like, we just focus on the phones for now before I move on the watches, right? But Sam, like, what do you stood out as, like, the top features of the Pixel 8 and 8 Pro? So in terms of just kind of general stuff, like, it's interesting to see that the standard Pixel 8 is actually a tiny bit smaller than last yes. year's model. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I actually kind of like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually kind of like that a lot. It's like they're sort of making a mini phone without calling it a mini, yeah. which I think uh, kind of scares people away. But like, I I just love the size. It feels really easy to use. If you like a smaller phone, this is like a really. This feels like it's just a really great option. You know, they've uh, improved some of the build quality. Uh, I do like the new matte backs um, yeah. uh, on the Pro at least. And you know, the, the design just feels a little bit more polished. Not a big departure in terms of like overall uh, aesthetics, but you know that's okay. Um, and then we see on the Pixel 8 Pro we have a matte back and then a new t uh, temperature sensor, which is kind of interesting. Um, I don't know, like maybe it's because you know I have a kid now, but like when they showed that demo of like, hey, you can check like baby's milk, the temperature mm -hmm. of baby's milk on that, I was like, okay, that's something I kind of wish I had like two mm -hmm. years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, they talked about like, hey, you know, they're in talks with the FDA to make sure that like, you know, it's okay to use it as a thermometer on people. Um, you know, so that's, that's really interesting. Um, there's new actual and super actual displays, <laughs> which I really dislike. I dislike that <laughs> branding a ton. Actua, actua. It's like it a Marvel, like Marvel superhero that never made it to the pages. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, actual, and it feels like a really fidelity in the land, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a really desperate attempt to like match like Apple's Retina displays or even Microsoft's like Pixel Sense displays, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. in the weirdest way possible. <laughs> and, and the whole the whole idea is like, hey, they want the stuff to be you know look more lifelike, more accurate, more realistic, and I that's great. Um, just maybe find a better name. Um, both both displays are actually really really bright. Uh, they're talking about two thousand uh, nits peak brightness on the Pixel Eight and twenty four hundred nit peak brightness on the Pixel Eight Pro. So that's pretty impressive. Um, and obviously that new Tensor G three and for uh, as sort of a kind of low key surprise, um, the Pixel Eight Pro now supports up to one terabyte of uh, storage, which is nice. Oh. Uh, that is the first time. That's cool. I mean, it's a. Uh... I want to call it the Tensor G3 a bit because I covered that too. And we had some numbers like Google claims. Uh, let me see here. Uh, the Tensor G3 uh, can run twice as many uh, machine learning the you know processes on device compared to the Pixel 6. Uh, the largest machine model on the Pixel 8 uh, is 10 times more complex than what was on the Pixel 6. There was also some leaks. So somebody did Geekbench benchmarks of these things and that's how we tend to get details. Uh, but this actually isn't a slow processor like it's typically been for Google. It's running, it's a nine core CPU with a Cortex X3 core. That's the same thing with Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. So that's, oh, wow. okay. That's what's in like this, the current Samsung. So pretty good on Google there up to, it seems like 12 gigabytes of RAM as well. So that's the pro. So that's pretty, those are pretty good specs. And maybe that justifies the higher prices, right? They're both a hundred bucks more than, uh, than I last think the, time. just the smaller one is hundred bucks mm -hmm. more. And the new one is this, a pro is pros the same price as before, I believe. Okay. Is it nine ninety nine now? Is that actually, it might it's be nine ninety nine. I, 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 I believe it, it was 900 last year yeah. for the, yeah. Uh, it was eight ninety nine last year. Okay, so they're yeah. both a yeah. bit more expensive this year. Um, I saw in Sherlin Lowe's hands on that <laughs> they were both a hundred dollars more than last year. I mean, the, yeah. the I wrote yeah. specifically that the smaller one is more as a hundred dollars more, but I forgot that the bigger one is too. I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. 
Go and on. and that's just kind of the hardware. Oh, one other thing for people on Verizon, the Verizon standard Pixel 8 is 100 more oh. than what on the, the Other Google carriers. store. And that's because uh, the Verizon version supports millimeter wave 5G. So, you know, if you're noticing a discrepancy between like Google store pricing and Verizon pricing, that's the reason. Wait, the others don't have millimeter wave? Uh, the well, standard, the as far as I know, the standard uh, Pixel 8 on the Google store does not support millimeter wave. And that's why Verizon has their own like kind of special version. That's I mean, if we could talk about five G forever, we know this, yeah. right? But, but that's, like, that's you know. annoying. It's a good thing to highlight that there is still a major, I guess, difference because T Mobile keeps talking about like, hey, we have the biggest five G network, network, but it's yeah, not. But it's, it's all sub six. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Mostly. Okay. They um, have the mid the mid ones. They also have the what is the yeah. There there is a little bit of millimeter wave on T Mobile, but not nearly as uh, as as widespread as it is on Verizon. Um, I also want to point out that some of the hardware um, improvements that came to the phones, I mean, the temperature sensor just was like stand out for me just because I like new and novel <laughs> shiny things. But the cameras it's themselves have been novel. Yeah, is novel. <laughs> uh, I can't wait to test it. Uh, someone at the Pixel event, I will not name who said they're going to use it on their uh, private parts. On their uh, private parts. So. <laughs> I mean, you got to... Got to make sure they're there, right? Yes, I don't you're know. hot. You know, you got to yeah. make sure you're hot. Um, but mm -hmm. but okay. So in addition to the temperature sensor, I mean, the cameras are getting upgraded. Especially I think on the Pro, you've got the 50 megapixel main to start, but you've also got the 48 megapixel telephoto with up to 5x optical zoom, and the ultra wide has been upgraded to 48 megapixels. Um, and this improves sort of the macro focus on the Pixel 8 Pro. It allows you to get a little bit closer to subjects, like within two centimeters as opposed to three centimeters before. On the Pixel 8, that's um, now you have macro uh, focus support because it's upgraded there, like the ultra wide to a 48 megapixel as well, up from I think about 12 before. Um, and Sam was talking about the um, the uh, displays. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of what else. Like the G3, obviously, we just didn't know what the clock speeds and stuff were. But it's interesting to me, and honestly, I think kind of smart of Google to focus on talking about that sort of like number, right? Like how much better that is it than before in terms of computational processes or whatever, as opposed to 3.2 gigahertz tetra core. Cortex M uh, X3. Well, most companies don't do that anymore, unless you're like freaking Asus or something like. Or Qualcomm. Apple Apple doesn't do that as much. Um, yeah. It's also interesting because I think you, for more than any other phone, you really have to divide the upgrades into here are the hardware upgrades and yeah, here are yeah. the software upgrades. Exactly. Um, because uh, I think you know, especially for the Pixel 8 Pro, they said there's all new sensors for all the ranges, and they uh, they get better light sensitivity. But obviously, when it comes to like the a lot of the photography stuff, a lot of this is like software and AI powered yeah. stuff. So in terms of like new camera features, there's uh, Best Take, which is uh, a really interesting. Sherlyn, you're probably gonna love this one, where you can take a series of photos and then you can choose faces from each people's photo to make sure that like, hey, they're smiling or they're just not frowning, um, <laughs> which is a really interesting. You're way gonna just, like, like this one, Sam, because you have a kid. I don't. I can make all my friends pose. You're gonna have. You know. <laughs> Happy okay, family pictures enough. are easier to compose now, yeah. Yep. Um, we, we already mentioned the improved uh, Magic Editor, which is using generative AI to do that like content fill and aware uh, situation. Uh, there's a new audio Magic Eraser, which I, I think is so really cool. interesting. So, yeah. you know, cool. it, yeah. it's just using AI to more selectively filter out sounds. Um, you know, they showed a baby and then a bunch of like background noise and a dog barking in the background. And, you know, from what I've seen, it works, seems to work really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, I'm going to depend greatly on the situation, like, you know, road noise or, you know, if you're at a concert, things. I think some things will be easier to filter than others. Um, there's even a new zoom enhance, which yeah. allows you to kind of uh, zoom in on stuff 
later. It's uh, literally called Zoom Enhance, like every yeah. CSI show too. So that's yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, yeah. <laughs> and I just, I just want to like enhance, enhance. Um, and then it's, so it's really interesting. And then uh, of course there's also uh, now Night Sight for uh, videos, which is the first time that's been available. Um, and so it's really interesting to see kind of the addition of these features and kind of the separation of what features are available on the pro versus the non-pro. And they're like, you know, especially for the pro now it has pro controls, which the mm-hmm. uh, standard eight doesn't get. They're like really, really trying to lean on, on the, the camera and photography abilities of the more expensive model. And with the pro controls, uh, what Sam's talking about is you can, you know, those with that can, can shoot at uh, the full 50 megapixel resolution in manual mode, get that raw because you're probably more of a, you know, enthusiast. Uh, I also want to point out that I think this is only on the pro uh, video boost, uh, is 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 a feature where you know you shoot more high quality video when you have that on, but it'll also like send a version of your video up to like Google's service for processing with all of the. And I can't. It wasn't very clear to me, Stan. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure if Nightside Video is only available through Video Boost. Um, I don't think so. I think Nightside Video is a separate thing. Though, if you do send like a low life video to yeah. Video Boost, it will automatically apply that. The one issue is that like. Because a lot of these features are like kind of software powered, um, the video boost feature is not going to be available until like December sometime because it's going to be available as part of a feature drop. And and so it's really interesting to see how Google is kind of taking this approach of like, I think everybody loves feature drops. Like who doesn't love getting new capabilities post-purchase after the phone? And this sort of ties into the other really big announcement, yep. which is in terms of like software support. Google's now extending software support for the Pixel 8 series to a whopping seven years. And so yeah. that includes Android upgrades, uh, security. security patches, mm-hmm. and feature drops. And that's really, really setting the bar for you know what it means to be mm-hmm. taken care of, uh, mm-hmm. especially on the Android side. Apple's mm-hmm. kind of always been leading the way. And you know Google and Samsung have been kind of... Um, Competing like you know, Google, yeah. Samsung yeah. raced to four years, and then Google matched, and then Samsung raced well, to five the, years. And... Isn't the Google thing based on the California law or something California is talking about? Right, they're talking about like requiring seven years of, of support for devices. So there, there was some like chatter about that too. So we yeah. gotta look I mean, like deeper into this. Yeah, yeah. And at least they're getting out ahead of it, like yeah. far, yeah. far ahead. And I, think, I, I think, and I think it's nice to see that. My one question, though, is that, like... <laughs> you don't want to no, use the device for seven years. Yeah, we were right, talking about this, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so, like, it, on the performance side, like, I'm pretty sure that I don't want to use a Tensor G1 for seven years. So it's going to be a, a really, you know, maybe this is a vote of confidence for the Tensor G3 in that Google thinks that that chip is fast enough that I, it will maintain know. a responsive this phone is a for very, seven years. This is a very easy marketing term, guys. Like, hey! Uh, yeah, seven years of support. Right, I don't know right, what's right. going to happen in seven years, um, but sure, wink. Uh, yeah, seven years of support sounds great. And to be clear, it is only for the Pixel 8 and 8 Pro to start with. I'm sure moving forward, it'll be... But it's nice to be like, I don't know about you guys, but I've had like devices with me for like years and years that I've haven't, yeah. you know, yeah, I've yet yeah, to yeah. get rid of. And I'll turn them on. And like if they're from at least like 10 years ago or 20 years ago, like my Nokia 3310 or whatever, it'll still turn on, it'll still work. But like devices from fairly recent uh, periods of my life, like maybe five to six years ago, they just won't even turn on anymore. They won't even run any sort of, because there's no software sure. support. Because so like no on that end, yeah. right, exactly. on, on that end, it's, it's nice to think of it as like you have a greater window to play with. Even if it's not responsive, you you know this device is old, you go in with some realistic expectation. But yes, uh, to both of your points, like especially when uh, Sam, you mentioned like Apple has been leading the way on this. 
I can tell you that every year my phone, my iPhones just feel like a lot more sluggish. And I mean, I know we, we caught, you know, a while back, Apple was caught like throttling the GPU, the CPU and that sort of stuff, um, you know, after a year with battery updates and stuff. But I don't know how much, yeah, it is going to be worth, like what the experience is still going to be like in, in seven years from now with the Tensor G3 on the Pixel 8. Uh, you can so. always use an older device as like a secondary thing. I know some people use them as like audio controllers or for like stuff in their smart homes, like a little dial pad for all their smart home stuff. So, or, or even like a TV remote. Yeah, you can totally reuse Or devices. hand it off to your kids. Yeah, hand it off to your kids, whatever. Um, I do want to say like in general, the hardware, I, that's great for software support. Uh, also depends on the hardware surviving for seven years. I don't think that's necessarily been true for Android devices. Um, certainly, it's it's fascinating. Like I'm buying my mother-in-law a birthday gift, and she real she doesn't want to get off of Android. Um, so we usually buy her respect, refurbished, respect. yeah, refurbished phones. I'm looking at like Samsung Galaxy S21s, right, which came out a couple of years ago. Refurbished, uh, quote unquote, excellent quality, two hundred thirty dollars. That's a pretty far drop from what those things retailed for just a couple of years ago. And in general, like my history with the Samsung stuff, like it doesn't, after two years, you're, you're hurting. Like your hardware is hurting, the buttons are hurting, the screen is hurting. So I don't know. Um, maybe this will be a, like a push for manufacturers to like make their devices last longer. Talk about like green environmental movements, right? That's one thing that could help, except it makes these companies less money. So it's a weird push and pull. And I, and I definitely think the deprecation of like, uh, the price deterioration of Android phones that fall faster than an iPhone. I think part of that is like the software support play, definitely plays into that because people, you know, you have less, you know, Apple has been doing what, six or seven years, depending on the specific iPhone model. And the best you could get from Android from the mainstream stuff was four or five. And so, and, and that's actually just, you know, gotten better recently. And so I think people always had this like, you know, subconscious expectation that like, the longevity of Android devices just isn't wasn't the same. And I think at least saying they're going to commit to support uh, for seven years on the new Pixel 8s, I think definitely goes a long way into like short of changing that sentiment over time. So some sort of confidence. Uh, we we got to stop talking about the phones eventually, but I do want to hit on the temperature sensor because I do feel like that's a big huh. You know, Google Google's like hitting home runs with all the AI features that this prime to like take advantage of the AI hype. And we have a temperature sensor. And the last time Google put a unique sensor on these phones, they abandoned it a year <laughs> later, right? I remember we remember. We talking the, solely. Like, we talking the solely. radar. We're talking yeah, everything. The radar on the solely Pixel 4, yeah. the radar. This is what the hell are you going to do with this? Like I, okay, telling your kids the milk temperature. Um, yeah, I survived two kids. Uh, you you put it on your hand. You like put a couple drops <laughs> on your hand, and sure. entire civilization it, it, has survived. Um, milk also doesn't have to be as hot. As it, as it needs to be. Like, there are just so many things where I'm like, they're like, oh, ch check your shower before you step into it. Put your hand in the shower. Good God. You can figure this out. Yeah, definitely. And I think this is one of those things where it's like a fun or nice to have thing, yeah. but definitely not essential <laughs> to the core functioning of the phone. And like, also, if remember, Samsung used to do the thing where you could do, you could put your hand on your finger on yes. the camera yes. and you would, it would read your heart oh, rate. Right, and so exactly. like, this is not a new, like, uh, theme for the smartphone industry. I, I Samsung has its own things. Go ahead, Jerry. I mean, I think that the so so Galaxy Watch Six has this like temperature skin temp detecting app with that makes use of the skin temperature sensor on the Watch Six, right? So you can like um, detect, I guess, touch a surface and have like see how hot sure, the sure. pool is, whatever. So so yeah, this is sort of a direction we're moving in. I will say that my sense from having you know 
private interactions with multiple Google executives in the last year or so, my sense is that this temperature sensor uh, lays the foundation for something else, right? I think that maybe Google thought this was a good feature for the body temperature stuff, but it couldn't get FDA clearance in time. So they had to come up with all these other uses to like put it in the, out there and fit their marketing. I think the goal, my this is me deducting from, from just general observations of you know, conversations I've heard um, that eventually I think Google means to play into like the health part of it using like AI, using generative AI and, and you know, make the phone your thing. Because like they've, they've also launched, I think maybe two years ago, the fact that you can use the camera, uh, the selfie camera on your phone to detect your respiratory rate and like see if you, you know, detect other like health type things. I feel like this is a big push in that direction. We just, they're just not talking about it that way yet. But from a health from a health perspective, what does sensing temperature get you other than, hey, you may be having a fever soon? Could be. Could uh, be also. I mean, that, other, that's, yeah. that would be good enough for me. Like, exactly. I don't know about you, but I have like a ton of different thermometers for like kids always sick. And so it's like, hey, if I can replace those gadgets and just rely on my phone, it, you know, it simplifies my life a little bit. I think it really comes down to like, you know, how much does this cost Google to put on the phone? If it's like, if it's a huge engineering or like bill of materials, like time sink or money sink, then okay, I don't really need it. But you know, if it's something that they can toss on there for an extra like, you know, 10 or 15 bucks, I'm okay with it. It's one of those things, I don't know if I can trust it. Like I, I've used a bunch of thermal, uh, you know, thermometers. It's great for cooking where I'm like, okay, it, it seems about right. Not as great for checking your kids, you know? Yeah. And I don't know, maybe as a parent, I've also, I've definitely had the experience where like, I can just put my hand on my daughter and be like, oh, you are too hot. This is a problem. So I don't, I don't, you, then you bring out the thermometer, right? Then yeah. you feel I think it. This, yeah. this actually sounds like a fun test. Though. Yes. This is, like, is yeah. going to turn into a story of some, mm -hmm. of some sort. It, for Definitely. sure. I think, I think the usefulness of this right now uh, is not something we, uh, like, like the vendor said, and I said in my hands on too, we've survived this long in the world without like carrying thermometers on us everywhere we go or temperature scanners. We'll be fine. The thing is, I, I, I think what I have been doing is putting together pieces of other parts of Google's business, like MetPalm 2. Um, where they're investing heavily in AI and medical diagnoses or like that sort of stuff that I see it coming together uh, in a way that maybe we have uh, have yet to see the pieces of. But I know Devendra, you said we sort of have to move away from the phones in a bit, but I think there's still so much to talk about. Like what, some what of the else? new yeah. assistant, the new assistant features. I mean, we sort of hinted at it at the start of the episode, which is like, you know, generative AI. You can summarize articles, but you can also get the art, uh, assistant to read aloud any article, translate it into a, one of like something like 16 supported languages. Uh, you, those are voice, cool, by the way. Like that idea. Oh my God, the read aloud tool. So We cool. have talked about this before. One of my favorite features of Pocket is just saving an article to pocket and then like in the app you could be like hey just read this aloud and then i can go for a walk and have something read to me so having that built in seems pretty cool that's good ai smarts yeah you get playback you get the playback box you can read the article at like 1.5 1.7 whatever speed you want uh you can again like i said translate it which like i had like um the demo phone at the hands-on i attended i had them translate my one of my reviews of the iphone i guess into mandarin and i was like oh this is what they would call a processor or a dynamic island in mandarin like it, it checked out i was like great um, I also like that there was a mention of 
uh, guided frame, which is the uh, accessibility feature for the camera. Um, it's coming to the front camera and the rear cameras. I can't remember like which order it came to first, but basically all the cameras on the Pixel 8. It was first. It was first on the rear camera, and now it's available on the selfie camera too. Awesome, thank you. So yeah, why like it might be more easy to use the selfie camera when you're trying to frame up a selfie, right? So that that's helpful. Um, and then the recorder app, which is I think a favorite among reporters, is going to get the you know on device summaries of your transcripts, which Ooh. is nice. Nice. So just a lot of good stuff. Okay. Um, and, and one quick note on audio uh, audio magic eraser that Sam, Sam talked about earlier. Yeah, the, the demo we saw in the keynote was this baby being really cool, cute, and then um, a dog barking in the background, and it was completely er- er- removed. Was that, that a call case. or a recorded video, by the way? Because I it know they have a recorded video. video. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So AME works, audio magic eraser works in videos that you shoot with the camera. Uh, this, the demo that I saw at the hands-on was a bit more, I think, nuanced, where it was like a street musician or street performer playing on piano or something like that and a siren passing on the street right and that seems like a more one of the more um prevalent use cases i think and it didn't completely eliminate the siren i will say but it did drastically reduce it and i think i mean i think the goal is to make it less distracting maybe not like you know this is not professional sound editing right it's uh it's it's very weird and the whole th- like they they did talk about though that the the tech in the Tensor G3 can allow this for live calls as well. So not just for recording oh, yeah, videos, but you you get some reduction in calls. There's clear call I mean clear calling is improved Different like, name for a similar feature. Yeah, I know, yeah. exactly. Similar feature. They're using the same algorithms for other things. So basically like, you know, they call it call assist, which is Google has this whole suite of tools that improve your call experience in general. First of all, yeah, with G3, they can like detect and filter out more spam calls up to 50% fewer unwanted calls you can also like um call screening is going to get a bit more interactive uh more intuitive when people uh call you the assistant on the uh, on your you know robo assistant answering your call is going to say sound more realistic like hey she can't come to the call right now but tell her what you want and then it can actually be a more responsive and give more uh context um so that's cool too i mean compared to apple which is only just you know implementing live voicemail on ios 17 i, I, I thought how do you nice. how do you guys feel about these weird virtual assistants popping up to answer calls because i do feel like if i get shut if i call a friend and i get shoved to their fucking (laughs) virtual google assistant like that's rude that's just a little rude i know i've done this to someone before uh who like i didn't know what their number i didn't save their number so they were calling this is one of the pr people that we deal with uh pretty frequently sam you know this person and they called and i just used google assistant (laughs) screening on them and they're Uh like hey it's me don't you google by the way yeah they're like hey it's me like how they're and i was like and then the transcript showed me what it was uh who was calling so i was like all right let me answer you know so it's like it's to me, is better, and you can do that with Apple's version too. Google's version is just a bit more smart. It's more. Um, it is a voice speaking on your behalf. It's like I cannot come to the phone right now. I'm sorry. Whereas the I Apple thing it. is just like as somebody is leaving a voicemail, exactly, which we all understand how right. to do. It is also transcribing, and then you can jump in and be like, right. "Oh, okay." Yeah. Exactly. It's not acting like there's a third. So it's not rude. There. It's not as rude. I think the funniest part is that like we're quickly getting to a situation where you're gonna have like a doctor's office calling to like confirm an appointment. They're gonna be using an yeah, AI yeah, to like, yeah. call you. It's AI yeah. talking you're, to you're, you're not gonna want to pick up because you know what it is, and so you're gonna tell the AI to answer that for you. And it's just gonna be a whole bunch of AIs talking to each other, and it's like. Well, it's like, do we actually need this in the first place if no one's paying attention? This to is how this? the singularity like, happens. It's just AI talking <laughs> yeah, to sure. AI until the transcendence. Um, I will. Yeah. 
I will. I think we should, we can if we if we need to wrap up the Pixel phone discussion. I think AI is a great place because they had a one more thing for us at the end, which was assistant with Bard, and I think we yeah, were you know yeah. expecting it to come soon. And Google has this um, habit, in my opinion, of like randomly showing us like major improvements to assistant and then saying it's coming and then it just doesn't come out i'm sorry like, to say that i, I yeah. said this on our live blog google like, doesn't like actually yeah stick to their word amazing they've, yeah. they've well, made and, and they gotta do a better yeah. job of like announcing something and then making it available in a in a exactly. timely manner and assistant with bard supposedly is uh available like for uh it's an opt-in feature. People can opt in maybe like next month or later this year or something. Uh, and right now they're opening it to like beta tester type things. And I'm sure eventually I'll get like an email saying, hey, you've been whitelisted or whatever, right? But okay, so assistant with Bard is more of what we already seen Google attempt to do. The, to, last IO, so 2022, not 2023, they showed us this app, which was like a kitchen sink app that you can talk to our AI and like learn about topics and whatever. And I just wasn't very blown away by the demo. I know that like generative AI is all the rage, but again, Google has been trying to do this for a while. It's not like behind by any means. Um, and it's now just integrating it into the, the assistant. I, I, I don't know. Were you impressed by this one more thing demo, Sam? I just wasn't. I, I was getting flashbacks or deja vu from the week from last week where Microsoft yeah. did the exact same thing with Copilot, and it's like, okay, I get the fact that like you're using AI and uh, to like you know uh, summarize a list or like you know make a grocery order or something like that, and it's like I I just felt it was like. I see where this is going, and there's a lot of players who are working on very similar things, and so because it's like I'm getting hit with basically the same thing from like three different angles i was like okay this is fine i'll check it out when it comes this out is, but like uh, th this is the next mobile wars right like uh, whoever dominates whoever gets the proper ai platform right and invades every aspect of your life will win the next decade well basically. also but to your to your point you were making earlier devendra at this point is like which brand of ai are you using which right brand? meta connect yeah and then and then they're all going to talk to each other right so the google ai is going to talk to the microsoft ai which is going to talk to the meta ai which is going to talk back to the and then we don't forget amazon is around with their like rebecca ai true, uh, true. people know where rebecca. we're exchanging rebecca is my other name for amazon's assistant um you know so rebecca going to talk to like google assistant going to talk to bing ai gonna, it's just going to be holy it's just it's once again, AI is just talking to each other. It's a, uh, but we will all like pick a thing, like our platform of choice. Android users will be stuck with Google AI. Hey, stuck. I don't know. We got the good one. Come on. You got the good one. Um, I don't know what iPhone users are going to be. This Series? is like yet another area for yeah. Microsoft to come in and also be like, hey, hey, co-pilot for your iPhone, something. Because I feel like Apple has been slow to do this. We've talked about that stuff. I mean, you anyway, can we should Google mention. Assistant. There's there's AI everywhere. Is there AI in the Pixel Watch too? Like what? So the I was going to say, yeah. Matter? Yeah. So so there's a very smooth seg into the Pixel Watch 2. One of the surprising things that I found out during the keynote was that the Fitbit app is getting a uh, generative AI features uh, courtesy of some sort of chatbot where you can be like, hey, uh, why was right my morning run today harder than usual? And the Fitbit app can like parse your information and be like, well, first of all, you ran at this pace. You know, your route was a little more elevated than before and you slept very little. So like you it can come little. in and- You watched Netflix for 12 hours yesterday. You ate terribly, you little pig. That it's is that why. bag of Cheetos, why. you yeah. worthless sack. You know, like yeah. that's why. How dare you even try to run today? You know? like, I need the drill instructor AI. It's like, yo, uh, put those chips down or like, you know, yeah. don't buy that soda. You I joke, mean, but what... uh, that's going to happen. 
That's why that's we're doing Amazon, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon was going to do that with uh, one of the Echo speakers with Rebecca in, in it, right? Where, where if they heard you sneeze, they'd be like, bless you. <laughs> or like, are you okay? <laughs> like, do you need the uh, let's, doctor? Let's check your temperature with my phone's temperature yeah. monitor. Like, and then the audience, audience, uh, everyone in the, the market co- like collectively said no. And then Amazon was like, okay, backing away. Like it's, it's, it's absolutely going to happen. Like that's why a lot of mayhem. these features are coming. Like, because we, um, I don't know, like as a society too, we want technology to do like a lot of grunt work stuff for us. And also they're tracking all this stuff. So it only makes sense. Like, why are you tracking mood? You know, why does Amazon still has the mood tracking device? That oh, seems no, 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 like no. It, it, it retired it's that. Dead. But that, that was a the thing. The whole halo division died. Yeah. Everybody hated it, but it was an attempt. Right. And I do feel like, Knowing your mood, knowing how you're feeling is going to matter a lot. That That is like a technology empathy, right? AI empathy comes from seeing how you are as a person. That's all going to be a play in like five years. Yeah. I will, I will quickly run through some of the changes coming to the Pixel Watch. I mean, one of our biggest complaints about the Pixel Watch initially was battery life uh, and, you know, poor integration with Fitbit features. I haven't. Too little, too I, late. I perhaps the biggest complaint. Like, how long did we wait I for know. this Pixel Watch to appear? I know, ten years. So I will say, I think. Uh, so one thing that uh, is sort of changing is that the uh, Pixel Watch Two is getting a new processor. Uh, it is a Snapdragon Wear Gen Five, uh, Gen Five, fifty one hundred uh, versus an Exynos. Uh, 9100 I can't remember the numbers but versus an older like Samsung one that uses like different um, transistor uh, design process um, and definitely more energy efficient on the new one there's also like co-processors that handle more of the tasks so ba- but what they're the, the, the thing about the messaging here that's confusing is that Google touts the same battery life 24 hours right on both the Pixel Watch and the Pixel Watch 2 the difference is that the Pixel Watch 2 comes with always on display enabled by default so what you're getting is 24 hours with AOD on the Watch 2 versus 24 hours with like non-AOD on the original which doesn't make any sense right so okay we're getting a bit more battery life we're getting a faster processor we're getting a slightly lighter case that's made of 100% recycled aluminum uh and that's supposed to make things feel a bit more comfortable but they've also redesigned the the underside the housing there and there's like three basically three new sensors right number one the heart rate sensor is now no longer a single path led it is a multi-path uh, array which should allow like for improved signal quality so like if you're moving your wrist around as long as one of those leds is still on your arm or your wrist in contact it can get a reading as opposed to like what your single led in the middle if that's like off you know lost contact with your skin you're like done um there's a new skin temperature sensor uh that's being used for overnight tracking of your general like temperature ranging and it alerts you if you're out of range out of nowhere and then the new uh body response sensor or more accurately a continuous electrodermal activity or CEDA sensor that's looking for microscopic bit beads of sweat um to detect how your body is reacting to like stress if this sounds familiar to you at all it's because Fitbit's been doing it for a long time since at least the Sense smartwatch or the Sense 2, um, so for years. So what it does, though, is give Google kind of an advantage here with the Pixel Watch 2. Uh, You don't see the Apple Watch doing this. Samsung sort of has attempted to do this, but I don't think Samsung has been consistent with doing the stress response measurements and stuff like that. That's actually Um, a pretty good thing. Beyond beyond just like exercise, just for like daily life, it is sometimes good to to have that awareness. And maybe that's that's maybe one of the nannying things that could help us down the line. Hey, take a breath, take a deep breath, you know, uh, drink some water. 
I want to say on a geeky, kind of geeky level, it was really nice to see a uh, former Fitbit CEO, James Park, are in the, like, yeah, I've been following, I remember following Fitbit from nothing, from when they were just like the original, like little wristband app. So he's still around, even though they're not, um, I guess they're, they're finally getting more of a push within Google, but it felt like nothing for a while. I, it's hard because I know so much about what's going on internally that it's very hard for me to kind of be like, um, uh, speculating about how, how it's happening. I get the sense that like, it's not, you know, always going to be the smoothest thing when you have two very established brands like Fitbit and Google and trying to like, and Google and Nest that. and Google and so many right. things, everything. Exactly. Absorbs. Yeah, exactly. And you see the Nest, like the brand stuck for, stuck around for a while, but then sort of, you know, became into the background. I don't know if exactly that's going to happen with Fitbit. I think my ideal future for this marriage for them is that, yeah, the, you know, a, a better blend between Google and Fitbit when it comes to Pixel Watch. But for your trackers and your other, like, you know, cheaper activity devices, feel free to keep the Fitbit name on that because the Fitbit name, I think, is synonymous with a tracker as opposed to a smartwatch. And I, think I mean, Google the, the needs... Fitbit became the, like, proper noun for exactly. activity tracking. So you don't, you don't want to get rid of that. Exactly. Don't get rid of that but and keep pushing those out. Don't don't let Google take over that name on that and focus on that and introduce all your like groundbreaking new health detecting or, or you know, wellness features on that. But if you're going to keep on and, and right now with the Pixel Watch 2, this is the case, they're going to keep making the exercise or the workout part of the watch. That's still under an app called Fitbit Exercise. And that <laughs> okay. just to me is I'm like. You know, the Apple Watch doesn't have this distinction. The Samsung watches don't have this distinction. I, working Apple out, has its own out. weird distinction, though. Like, the Apple Watch has the activity app, right? But if you go to your phone, there's a health app and an activity. Yeah, they separate like it out very, from the it's watch. Very, it's yeah. annoying because I don't see my iPhone steps in the activity app, and those should count towards my rings, goddammit. So they should, uh, they should. They should actually they have. No. They don't. Well, they they just count them. as like number steps in the activity app, I believe, or something like in the health app. It was some different thing. And it's just really annoying on iOS. So every, I thought I heard. Yeah. Okay. Everybody has these problems. Yeah. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I think that's like a general like uh, overview of what's with the Pixel Watch 2. I think for more of the details, you can go over to Engadget.com for like our news post and my hands-on to see uh, what's different. I mean, there's some small changes here and there. There's a new personal safety feature that's like a safety check that they've ported over from the Pixel phones. How um, do you, you do uh, like, how, do, how does it compare to the Watch Series 9, the Apple Watch Series 9? Because that's like the question. I mean, I'm, I'm, I am uh, investigating that. And on the surface level, based on hands-ons of the Pixel Watch 2, I will say that I always preferred Google's design. I wish the screen was a little, like, you know, less bezel-y, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. I was going to say, uh, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still not happy there isn't a larger size. I think yeah, same. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, I think they're sticking with the exact same design for the second year because it's like manufacturing. You know, we rarely see, like, big design changes, like, year after year. Usually it's like two-year break or three-year break. And then the other thing, uh, did you mention that the, there's no wireless charging anymore? Not yet. So this is one thing we need to talk about. And uh, so in the middle of like, as our live blog was about to start, I think, uh, Terrence, our managing editor who was reading my hands-on was like, hey, is there no wireless charging on the Pixel Watch 2? Good point. And I was like, oh, right. Because... Bef like okay so most watches nowadays they wirelessly charge uh you put them on this like cradle and then they charge wirelessly but one of the big things that the pixel watch 2 has is they've redesigned the charging for contact charging um that is faster right it'll bring you up to like 12 hours of life in 30 minutes of charging and full charge in 75 minutes 
Um, but it's contact charging. And I never realized that like when I saw that, I should have thought to ask, oh, does that mean wireless charging is gone? So then when, when Terrence asked about it, I was like, oh, let's double check. And yes, we did get confirmation. There is no longer wireless charging on the Pixel Watch 2. Which for Sam, you have a very specific use case that this now eliminates, right? Yeah, so, uh, and basically when I travel, uh, I kind of like leaving the wireless charging cradle for whatever watch I'm using. I like leaving that at home and I use the phone's reverse wireless charging to charge that. So you used to, like you could used to use the Pixel reverse wireless charging to charge the Pixel Watch. Uh, Samsung has been doing this for a long time with the Galaxy Watch. And I just like, you know, it's one less like wire that you have to attach sure. and detach. I hate traveling, traveling. With, the, with the watch wires, yeah. Yeah, same, yeah, yeah. I do it. Um, and, and, because, and because every watch charger is different, which is like a whole different separate exactly. brand, uh, you always have to bring that exact charger. Um, one other interesting wrinkle that I noticed yesterday is that the Pixel Watch 2 does not even charge at all on the original Pixel Watch charger just because right, the contacts it needs a are that different. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you've gone back to like a Fitbit sort of situation where like Fitbits used to have these like specific claws for each of their for their devices to charge. And so now it's become very proprietary, very like um, – you know, as we've as Apple moves towards USB C, we're seeing the Pixel. I, I was gonna, I was just just about to, like all the smartphones now use the same physical charging port. We need to get the industry together on something, a, a, a universal charging cradle, please. Uh, For the watches, that's, yeah. once that's again, all I'm asking. Apple is on a weird, weird thing, right? Because technically, the Apple Watch charges on the wireless, like little little thingy, but it's not technically cheap. You can't just put it on a normal wireless charger because it also has to fit in the in the contact. So right, mm. right. Is their own like their own technology again? That's like closer to MagSafe than it is to T. I think. Um, I mean, yeah, this is feels like worth digging into, but it was a point that came up right before uh, the keynote kicked off and we were like, ah, crap, no time to really investigate this other than get confirmation from Google as we were there. Um, but definitely something that I will be thinking about more in my review. And maybe I mm -hmm. think Sam and I can have a That's longer a discussion over how to mm -hmm. spin this out into a story. That's a really good point, Sam. Also, because, yeah, I, I have an Apple Watch. Uh, I never travel with it because I just want to don't want to bring an extra it's cable annoying. for this stuff. Yeah, no, yeah. I travel with my Apple Watch and whatever other watch I'm you know using at the time. And I just bring the freaking like uh, cables for them. It's annoying. And then I lose them, right? And the of cables course. are and so you, And you travel with yeah. like multiple watches, so you don't have to bring <laughs> multiple cables and oh, it's yeah. a whole big thing. Oh, that's, that's happening for me thing. like as we speak because I have to like rejuice up some things to like start testing some things, mm -hmm, that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Annoying. How was uh? Um, so, I mean, uh, briefly, while we're on the topic of phones, like the there was the national emergency alarm test. I was going to yesterday, say, and Sherlyn, Sherl you must have been like just blowing <laughs> up. People would be like, "What is wrong with this lady?" Because she sounds I like know. A, you are like a national emergency. Apparently, <laughs> I am a national emergency. I had walked away from my uh, devices at the time, and I was at like getting lunch uh, near the office, so I was only carrying two phones with me, and like they rang. And then when I went back, obviously all the others i you know i'm sure i got some yeah, dirty yeah. looks that i just yeah. tried to avoid looking at people um i will say worth pointing out as we're doing the iphone versus google debate that when we all got the alerts at 218 uh my iphones only got one right message and that was in english but my android phones got two and they were english and spanish did I, you yep, have that same, same here yeah mm -hmm. i've heard that from other people yeah. That is wild. That seems like a weird distinction to mm. make. It's like, is the, you know, either some sort of assumption about the Hispanic speaking population or, or maybe it follows users. your phone settings. Like, I, I do feel uh, like I was going to say the cleaner it, it does, thing for Apple would be to follow what your phone, what you have set your phone to. Oh, I you see know? what you're saying. Okay. So, Sam, what are you saying? 
I was gonna say it seems like maybe Apple's like just just a little bit ahead of Google or yeah, Android in, in that they they, yeah. they know it's like hey if your phone is set to English we're gonna show you this the is, English emergency. This is such warning. an Apple versus Google. If they, that ends up being true, this is such like an em, like showing emblematic. Like, Google's just like uh, uh, just send all the alerts. Oh my god, I don't know what to do. Um, Apple's like no, Apple's no, no, no. like we know what language you speak. We'll show it to you in that. Uh, the next time we know one of these things is happening, I'm going to turn my language over to Chinese and we'll figure it out. We'll yeah, see. give that give that a shot. So that that is it for new devices, right? At the Google event, I mean, but there were updates we had for some, the Pixel Buds Pro, right? Exactly, there were new devices in terms of new colors uh, for the Pixel Buds Pro, as well as some uh, software updates. I mean, you get better latency uh, with this update, software update. So for better for gaming, you have the uh, new. I don't know what their name is for it. The iOS, the the, the same feature on iOS is called adaptive audio or in, conversation uh, in, detection is how con- Billy Steele exactly. wrote it in Gadget. Right. Yeah. So it's conversational awareness. Basically, when you have your Pixel Buds Pro in your ears and you're playing music or whatever, but you start talking, it will uh, dim the media or like lower the volume and then turn on transparency mode so you can hear whoever you're trying to talk to. Um, I haven't tried this out on the Pixel Buds Pro yet because there, it would be gross at a hands-on event to put buds pro in um uh, but i will say that like um the i airpods that i've been using and i've turned these on with ios 17 now it just works surprisingly well i don't see myself like not having it on anymore i think it should yeah. it's actually surprisingly good the galaxy buds have had this for a while too i mean my only gripe and this is not necessarily a gripe against samsung itself is that they can only detect when you speak so if someone talks to you first uh the the buds don't understand it and so they need you to talk first. So sometimes you can miss conversations that way. And from what I've heard from Samsung, um, it's they're trying to use AI to be more responsive about that stuff. But it seems like a very difficult challenge because if someone just walks by and is talking to you know someone else and not to you, how is the AI going to know? So I'll be curious to see how they tackle that. I mean, I, I tried the Apple stuff for a while too because I love the AirPods Pro too. And I found it kind of hit or miss. Like if I can't trust this feature... I'm just going to take the earbuds out of my ears to like have a conversation. So while I was traveling, while I was on an airplane, maybe it was too loud to like make everything, you know, clear. But also when I was at the airport ordering stuff, I, you need to trust this tech and it's not quite there on the Apple side for me. Do want to point out the Pixel Buds Pro also now support Bluetooth super wideband. I love all the like little bits of new Bluetooth tech being added. So uh, doubling the bandwidth for voices, which means your call quality should be a lot better too. So that's cool. Yeah. And it also has that like clear calling uh, feature that the phones themselves have. So like when you're talking, you know, your background noise is eliminated or reduced. So you sound clearer and you're clear, you know, your whoever you're talking to has a similar effect as well. That's cool. So I think that was it. I think that was it on the hardware. That's it. I mean, so Pixel Buds Pro, I mean, just from your perspective, folks, uh, would you go for those over the Samsung Galaxy Buds? Like what are what are the best buds right now on the Android front? (laughs) I think this is one of those situations where you go with the buds that are whoever made your phone. You go with the, the same manufacturer. Okay. Because there's always sure. there's always a couple features that like Samsung has Samsung Labs for the Galaxy Buds two, and so you get a few more features on the Galaxy Buds two, but only on a Samsung phone. And I think it's uh, there's a couple features that are only available on Pixels with the Pixel Buds Pro. Um, so they're they're pretty much the same, just specs capability wise, uh, like. And audio quality is so close that, like, 
Your best bet is to go with the bud maker who makes your phones. We'll just point out that I still have a little bit of PTSD with the Pixel Buds Pro. <laughs> if only because rem- I remember just struggling so much with them staying connected to my phone. Oh my God. I was using Pixel 6 uh, with Pixel Buds Pro at the time. Yeah, they would drop out and then they would refuse to pair back. And there was a lot of complaints about them o- all over the internet. I'd be curious to see if they've improved. I will say I have noticed similar issues with AirPods, AirPods Pro 2. So Apple is obviously not... You you know, immune to this problem, but it happens a lot less with AirPods. Um, it was happening every day, a few times a day with the Pixel Buds Pro. With Apple's devices, it happens maybe every other day or every few days. Much less so, right? So it's funny how everybody's trying to make a difference in the earbuds too. Remember the Surface earbuds, everybody? The like Aww, little rings in your gauges. ears, Aww. those little gauges, like um. Nope. According to the rumors, that's one of the reasons why uh, Panos left Microsoft is they were going to come out with a new version of the Surface earbuds. That were Microsoft uh... was like, "Nope, uh, we're canning that project." <laughs> oh no! Um, but I also had connectivity issues with that. I had like weird fit issues, and like these are things if you cannot trust these little buds, which I think are perhaps the most intimate devices that we are attaching ourselves to, because right? they are just sitting inside our ear holes. Um, you can't trust it. Why would you use it? I, I can totally understand why Microsoft was like, no, thank you. Uh, there I, are. Yeah, I told, mm-hmm. I get it. There were a couple other things briefly mentioned at the Google event. Uh, Android 14 now available for Pixel devices I or mean, coming soon. That's OK. Yeah. Do we talk about Android 14 at all? Any big differences here? Uh, not really. I think here's the thing with Google's approach, and we, we sort of talked about it, is that the feature drops are going to, I think, slowly take over to the point where like each Android update is not going to be as major as before instead google's like quarterly cadence of a feature drop is going to introduce new features each time um yeah and i think that's i mean the, the new thing with android 14 that we can tell obviously uh is that they've rebranded their entire look right they've got this like squiggly cartoony bubbly look now as opposed to like you know sans serif skinny fonts i don't like it i really don't like the new android look uh, it's a little too balloonish and cartoonish oh, for yeah. me. pick a pick an aesthetic google my God, it's just changing exactly. every time. I don't know. It's, like it's it's not cute. I I do not like it. Um, and I will say like it's not like Apple's lock screen like clock widget has a lot of different options either. I I still prefer the skinny font look, but it seems like the industry is moving towards thicker block uh, thicker font. fonts. I mean, bigger uh, screens, 14, thicker yeah. fonts. You know, yeah, exactly. For, but I guess maybe good for visibility, I don't know, or legibility. Absolutely could good be for visibility. A, a, yeah. But I do feel like when the Pixel phones, or at least when the Pixel 6 hit, that was like Google's big aesthetic swing, right? Yeah. And that was like, uh, we got this camera bar, we have like more sleek, modern text and stuff. And I feel like um, it's a little like rounder now, the Pixel 8. Yeah, uh, right. It's got yeah. cur- more it's curved. Got 8, curved. But, oh, but the screen is flat now. The screen is flat the screen as is opposed flat. to curved. So, mm. Okay. I like seeing All how right. we've gone back and forth on that. Um, but, you know, Android 14 doesn't feel major. I don't know, Sam, is there any, like, big Android 14 feature you think I might be missing? Not really. I mean, there's, like, the, the support for, like, generative AI to make a wallpaper, which is fun. But, like, I don't, I, I, I'm not waiting hands and, like, on yeah. my hands to, to try this as soon as it comes out. Generative AI for everything. And, and there, yeah. there's some, like, updated uh, quick settings and shortcut tiles that, you know, you can add more things into the, the, the notification shade sh- uh, shortcuts. And it's like... This is all nice, but 
it's not it's not meaningfully changing the OS but, itself. But it also makes sense, right? We don't need we're at a point with OSs where we don't need them to be major upgrades each time now. So I think this is is a smart approach. Uh I don't I think Apple also you can see with each major I don't know. I will say that iOS 17 feels like a big leap, right? But what if Apple were to just do that over time instead of waiting annually to update, you know, the voice typing, the, the that, that's the, what Microsoft basically did with Windows 10. Right. Like they they right. started being like, okay, we're just gonna do like annual feature drops exactly. or something. And different things. And, and oh, I, yeah. I can't remember which which year it was. It was either like this WWC or last year, where like they're like, oh, now you can support two alarms in in iOS. <laughs> yes, I remember <laughs> yeah. clapping okay. so yeah. hard. And, and for that. people people were so happy two about timers, this. Like, two timers. Y'all, this this is like yeah, so, so we were two always timers. limited to one timer and <laughs> just and it's it. like if, if this is the stuff that we're getting really excited about, like hey, that's awesome, but like. It's, you know, it's you're, still iOS. You're polishing a stone, right? You're polishing something that's already pretty polished. And I guess I look at macOS now, right? And it's like, no, you cannot change anything in macOS because a Mac user will bite your head off, you know? So it, it just kind of is the way things are. Uh-huh. I just want to say, uh, because I am now happily straddling both iOS and Android, I am the two timers. I'm a oh, two-timer. You, I'm dating yeah, two things I am at once. absolutely a two-timer. Like, if I'm cooking... It took you forever to get that joke. Oh, yeah, no. I, I get it. I get it. Is that what two-timer means? I don't... Isn't it like when you're dating... Shows, one one really. aspect. <laughs> I don't watch... It's a bad joke. I made a bad it's, joke. Oh, no. It's a Sherlin joke. Okay, everybody. Uh, well, actually, this is a good point for our listeners, too. Um, the folks, like, now we know what Google is doing for the next year. And now we know what Apple is doing for the next year when it comes to software and phones. So let us know... What you think? Like, are you jumping to iPhone from Android because of this? Are you jumping to Android for some reason? Because every time I see a foldable phone, I'm like, I, mm, I wish, I wish my iMessage would like would just like jump over to that because I would love to play with it. Can uh, can, can I just yes. say I, I was using the Pixel Fold during the the made we by saw Google you on the video, Sam, front row. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah. Yeah, because we were sitting in the front row, and I was, like, right on the corner. So apparently it was very obvious to everybody, <laughs> which is, like, okay, whatever. He's a plant. Um, Nobody uses a Pixel Fold. <laughs> but that said, it was actually, like, the best use case I've ever had of multitasking on a foldable because we were live blogging, and I was on photos, and I was able to have the live blog oh. open in, in one window pane. so awesome. While I had the camera app open on, uh, also at the same time. So while I was uploading photos in the live blog tool, I was also taking the next photo for the, you know, whatever Sherlyn was about to wow. pipe. And it was actually like, I was like, holy shit, this is like <laughs> actually really awesome. And I, I, I noticed like I would have been way slower, um, you know, uploading video, uh, uploading photos to the live blog. The first, and, wow. This is like the first device like, built for live blogging, I guess, or at least pictures for yeah. live blogging. It, Mm-hmm. And I, I hope, I hope, like for anyone who follow along the live blog, I hope you notice that, like, just we had way more photos, so many more in, photos in the live blog. Let me, yeah. I, I mean, know, I noticed mm-hmm. Sam because I was like, I've, I've looked at our previous live blogs before, and I'm like, oh, maybe like we could have used a bit more photos here, but no, you were going fast, and you were showing me your interface too. I was like, holy shit, that's photos great. like uh, for the listeners to like clear off what's happening. Imagine, you know, while an event is happening, you take a picture. How do you get that to your computer, right? Uh, do you yank out your memory card and stick it in somewhere? I think people, when things live were great, is what we did. they would have live capture and have like a USB cable to their, like connected between the phone and the camera and just keep going. But then you got to like, you got to resize that photo, right? You got to, you got to maybe crop it at times. You got to do some touches. Then you have to upload it into our live blog service, which is a, a website. All those steps take time. And by the time you're done with one picture or a couple pictures, you're like five minutes or three or four minutes beyond where 
the actual you know discussion started. So to do it so quickly, that's pretty wild. Love yeah, it, Sam. And I was noticing I was actually like looking over on your computer so I could time up <laughs> like you were about to type yeah, something yeah. and I could time up a photo because I already had it prepared for right after you. I know. It. I was like writing and I keeps I kept seeing the stream mm-hmm. below me update with new pictures. Mm-hmm. I was like, how many pictures are you sending? I was like, whoa, I'm not catching up. But it was great because you captured a lot of the context around like you got people's names and titles. You had the, um, you know, the summaries of like what are the new features. It was lovely. I will also point out now that we're quickly talking about the event itself. Um. I will say that this year of all the hardware events I've attended, I can I'm pretty confident that Google had the best food. Mm-hmm. Google had <laughs> the best food. Okay. Those mango matcha smoothies, incredible. I I had like 17. Um and then there were the the egg bites were delicious. I didn't try any of the other stuff. They had like muffins, You bagels, have to start like a Tumblr Shalin for just event food. I've I've wanted to do this for so long. Food. Yeah. I want to do this for CES. Yeah. Yeah, we'll you do guys, this, I'm sure. You, like, yeah, we, it should just be like the Engadget thing, except uh, I talked to a lot of like old-time journalists and they're like, never take food from any companies, which is fair. Totally fair, but also we're there in the morning and we're hungry folks and we gotta we, we get to produce content. The, what is the concern? Ethics? Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Oh, it's so my, thing. my yeah. point is if I'm eating more than $25 worth of food, I'll pay someone for it. That's uh, true. If I'm eating something like a lunch, mini muffin. If you go for like a restaurant, then you know, then we pay. But if we're stuck there in their freaking headquarters and we need food. <laughs> I think, yeah, also, if we, it's we a buffet that's going to cater to like a th- thousand people, I'm not like taking from anyone. I'm not making mm, the company spend money they wouldn't mm-hmm, have spent mm-hmm. anyway. Then I'm also like, yes, I'll just eat it. This is how it goes. Okay. All right, folks. So let us know what you think about Google versus iPhone this year and into next year. Drop us an email at podcastinggadget.com. Let's move to some other news. And uh, oh, my God, there are more Android devices. They just they they grow. They just keep coming. What do you what do you have, Sam? You were at the Samsung S23 fan edition announcement, I guess, FB? Yeah, and so this the timing of this is just weird because mm-hmm. they announced this the day before the Made by Google event. And and so this is the new uh FE family. And so there's a couple little wrinkles around this. Um last year there was no FE stuff, and so I was like, hey, are they gonna bring it back or not? And so they did. And for this year, they say FE, for some reason, no longer stands for Fan Edition. It just stands for FE. And it's supposed to mean that, like, <laughs> hey, this is, like, kind of like the iPhone SE. Is that it's supposed like, to be clearer? It's just fat. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Once again, I never understood this branding. But so FE is just, hey, this is the more affordable versions of the flagship Galaxy devices. Um, and so they've kind of expanded the line a little bit. So you get the S23 FE. You get the Tab S9 FE and FE+. Plus. And the Galaxy Buds FE. That's nice, right? The cheaper headphones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so as a quick rundown, the S23 is very, very similar. The design is almost exactly the same. There's a couple of differences, like it's got Gorilla Glass 5 instead of Gorilla Glass Victus, you know, small changes. Um, it, and it has an older Snapdragon 8 Gen 1 chip, so not flagship uh, processor. But it starts at $600, which is $200 off the standard S23, and it's actually slightly bigger. It's 6.4 inches, which fits in right between the standard S23 and the S23+. Plus. So if you like the Samsung phones but have wanted something more affordable and didn't want to step all the way down to an A-series phone, hey, there's that. Um, and then moving on to the uh, Galaxy Tab S9 FEs. So basically almost the exact same situation. So the the Tab S9 FE normal is like 10.9 inch uh, display, similar to the standard uh, Tab S9. And then there's the FE Plus, which is the 12.4 inch model. There's no Ultra FE, so don't you know you don't have to worry about that. 
And they also, you know, they stepped down the processor again this time, except this one has an Exynos 1380 processor instead of a Snapdragon one. So, you know, not quite the same performance. No, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that oh, said, the design, yeah. the design, they didn't really mess with a lot. It's still super thin, still really that nice minimalist uh, aluminum body. And so if you like the thinness of the Tab S9 series, but want something that's just like, you're only going to use it for browsing social media. It's like, you know, it's your couch tablet. I think this is more approachable because you don't need the processing power for if you're doing dex mode or trying to use this thing as a laptop. Those tabs also got really expensive too, as I recall. And they sure they sure I, did. I don't know. I still don't understand why. Um, yeah, who says Samsung makes too many devices, right? <laughs> yeah. God. I, and and so yeah. the Tab S9 FE starts at four fifty for the smaller one. So that's like a pretty it's like. 400 bucks less, I think, or That's 350 insane. bucks less than the, I, the base it, Tab S9. You could still buy the base, like the old base iPad for $329. What are you doing, yeah. Samsung? You are think, Samsung. Still too yeah. expensive. I agree. I still think Android expensive. tablets... God, if it, if there's no such thing as a mid-range Android tablet. I think there should be only cheap or premium, and that's it. That's uh, that's pretty much where we are. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was just thinking, like, trying to find my wife's uh, mom and another Galaxy phone because she also destroys them, like, several a year. Um, it's so hard on Amazon because there are so many, and they're also, like, random Chinese phone makers who just name their phones, like, S20, right? I'm like, <laughs> wait, is this a Samsung phone? This is not oh, a yeah. Galaxy I mean, S20. This is just S20 is the phone. A Amazon's been having an issue with, like, the fakes and the copycats for a long time, and it's it's getting really bad recently. This is, I don't know, slow your roll, Samsung. Nobody needs this many devices. Anyway, uh, we do have an update on that iOS 17 um, uh, overheating. The, iOS, the iPhone 15 device is overheating. There were some stories about that, about both the 15 and 15 Pro getting particularly hot as people were setting them up and doing certain tasks. Apple has um, announced that there is an iOS 17 bug that has caused that overheating uh, on some things. And also third-party apps apparently had some like bugs causing it. So that's a thing. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say that, that that seemed to be like a little bit of blame pushing uh, from my perspective. but A, you know. a little bit. Um, I, yeah. I would love to know like what exactly is that bug. But also uh, like sh reminder to everybody, because I don't want to sound like um, like daring fireball or an Apple apologist or anything. But your phones will get warm when you first set them up because your phone is doing a crap ton of work. It is downloading all the data from your iCloud. It is, um, if you pass over uh, keys and stuff, like any, any of the security stuff, it has to do like on-device decrypting to move everything over to your system. So especially if you're doing that like phone to phone transfer and you're copying all the data from one phone to a new phone, there's a ton happening in the background. It's just there is Absolutely. that is the most work your phone will probably ever do all at once. So yeah, it's gonna run a little hot, unfortunately. Um I did hear from some people saying the iPhone fifteens were just getting so hot they couldn't even touch them in the back. And that seems like a problem. So a legit I, I mean a legit yeah. user issue there. Yeah. I haven't experienced that, but I also haven't really been using the 15 as much. Um, but I will say that I've noticed my 14 Pro uh, overheats like super easy. It doesn't even have to really be doing anything just randomly. I mean, the weather is hot and it will be like, oh, me too. And then it just like gets hot for no reason. <laughs> I just, um, uh, I'm late tired. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, saw I some reports tired. that people were like when they were using Apple CarPlay in their car and they had their phone set on the car's wireless charger, it was also overheating from. So it seems like kind of a, a, a pervasive issue that hopefully iOS 17, fi uh, this update fixes. I hope so. And hopefully that didn't involve like throttling the speeds down too. like that was a thing some people were were considering. So anyway, talking about devices, talking about 
Google devices. Uh, Google announced a Chromebook Plus initiative for better plusser Chromebooks. How do we feel I, about I this? Wanna, yeah. I first of all, I first of all, okay. So our we we got an invite to this thing, and we were like, you know, we knew Google was planning this uh, ahead of the Pixel made by Google event. This is a separate and thing. Yeah. It's a separate thing, you know. I I also want to point out that this is another thing that was going on during our hell week that we had to like sort and deal with too. And like me, Sam, and like other people on the team were already overwhelmed. They were like, okay, who can cover this? Who can cover this? And our Chromebook expert uh, or our resident Chromebook beat uh, cover Chromebook person, apologist Nate Ingram, yes. yeah, yeah, Nate Ingram, our deputy editor of news. Um, he he he's usually our person that we would do send this to or whatever. He um you know was taking some you know time off and so couldn't so we were like oh who in the end we finally found a way to like handle it and nate covered it for us i just was like the timing of it all come on these companies we really, really need, need to like yeah coordinate i don't know so 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 the chromebook plus initiative um and to be clear the people at google who were doing this were very aware of what else was going on they were very like helpful and made our lives a little bit easier during this time um but they also worked with a lot of third-party manufacturers on this platform launch so to be clear this is a new type of classification of chromebooks um it's called the chromebook plus initiative it basically is like higher spec um uh chromebooks with some new software features that make them a little bit uh more pro uh friendly um they'll bring faster processors more ram and more storage and better screens and they'll start at 399 dollars. so still a very good value um and then you know they've announced like uh, companies like lenovo hp um i believe uh, Asus as well as Acer are making uh, these new Chromebook Pluses. Uh, you've got like, the, and there's, I some, think, there's some older models that are also getting rebranded oh, to be Chromebook mm. Plus. That, that, right, so some I, of them yeah. already met the standard. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the easiest way to think about this is that like. You know, back when Chromebooks first popped on the market, they were like, you know, cheap education devices for students. And just, they were kind of your bare You're just minimum, running good, Chrome. Good How much enough. memory do you need, right? Right. Mm. And, and yeah, it's just bare, Actually, uh, bare all bones, the memory good, in the good world enough to laptops. run Chrome, it seems. Yeah. Right. And then I think, you know, throughout time and partially as like some of these kids grew up, you know, some companies started making more expensive Chromebooks and they were kind of getting like crapped on because they're like everyone thinks of Chromebook as those cheap education devices. And so now this Chromebook Plus is like, hey, there can be premium Chromebooks that have more horsepower. And I I don't know about premium. I I think this is more this feels like Google uh, getting all of its third parties in a room and putting a gun to their heads and being like, God damn it. (laughs) Make a Chromebook that is worth a crap. Okay. So that is, yeah. So at the, the basic specs, Chromebook with a Intel core, I'm not sure which one, uh, AMD Ryzen 7,000 series, at least eight gigabytes of Ram, no more of this four gigabytes garbage, at least 128 gigabytes of RAM. I'm looking at you, Acer, with your 64 gigabyte systems, um, at least a 1080p display. Like it is very much like, okay, this, this is the bare minimum to be a Chromebook Plus. That seems fair. Fair. Mm-hmm. A quick word on the specs, by the way. Uh, we're looking at the. I'm. I'm just quickly looking at what uh, Acer, Asus, HP, and Lenovo are offering. They all seem to be at least Intel Core i3, if not AMD Ryzen three. Okay. Which is nice. Um, fine. And the yeah. HP models are the most expensive. They have six hundred and nine ninety nine dollars, which I'm just like never. What? <laughs> never mind HP. 
Um, uh-huh. And but I, I'm more intrigued by the software tools um, that are coming to the Chromebook Plus. Uh, you've got the AI assisted, you know, uh, photo editing tools like Magic Eraser. You'll have, um, you know, you'll be able to improve lighting and do noise cancellation on Meet as well as Zoom and Microsoft Teams. So you're thinking of more like, um, you know, a, a work laptop, right? Because you got these Zoom calls that you got to take and you got to do um, uh, some photo editing, some light photo editing, but. And this was interesting timing because Adobe announced sometime like last week that it's going to, um, it just announced Photoshop for the web. And then a few days later, the Chromebook Plus initiative comes up. So Google did team up with Adobe to do Photoshop for the web, but this lines up, right? Like you can now use a, a software as, as, you know, a real photo editing software. I don't know how much like limited it is. And, yeah, and uh, this also kind of yeah. ties into some of the, the older pushes where, you know, you can play Android uh, games on your Chromebook and you can also play Steam games on your Chromebook. So, you know, taking advantage of that horsepower. The one thing that I really like is that this sort of gives some of the like older, like nice uh, Chromebooks a little bit more justification to like maybe come back in the future. So, Sherlyn, do you remember that uh, the Galaxy Chromebook? It was super yeah. nice. Oh, the hot OLED Ferrari screen. red one. Oh man, yeah. And so that was really nice. And so hopefully, you know, Samsung is encouraged to, like make another one of those. And then remember the original Pixelbook from twenty exactly. seventeen. I still have one. The right here. I love, yeah. I yeah. love the design and like yeah, the so the great. build of that thing. And it never got like adjusted because people didn't care about Chromebooks. That thing was uh, like fifteen hundred dollars, Sam. I, it was so I nice. Know, I, I wanted know. to. I remember when Google announced this, like I was at an event with them, and I laughed out loud in front of the Google spokesperson. I was like, it's still a no. Chromebook. It's still a Chromebook. <laughs> it's so rude. And you're making yeah. Well, uh, Google launching a fifteen hundred dollar web browser, I think, is mm. also pretty rude. You know, so, so okay, yeah, okay. yeah. So it's funny because I was talking a, a couple years ago. I was talking to some some web developers, and apparently, a lot of companies, a lot of like the IT departments. What they were doing is they were going and buying those Pixel books on like wholesale discount prices, and they were using them for IT stuff because it runs Linux and it was really nice hardware and it was perfect for the IT crowd. But they were getting them for like three hundred bucks, which is how much a Chromebook should cost. But they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, they, they, I agree that was really nice hardware. That was another one of those big swings where Google's like, "Hey, Chromebooks can be more than just basic web browsing machines." Here, spend nearly two thousand dollars on this thing. I know oh. that's wild. Yeah. Um, I mean, and this is a Google product, so we're getting some more uh, generative slash uh, regular AI-powered software improvements coming next year, including a text composer, very similar to like ChatGPT and uh, being AI and Edge. Uh, or, you know, it can help you uh, create descriptions for YouTube videos if it, tell, if it can tell that you're writing in YouTube um, or like captions if it can tell you're writing in something like, you know, I don't know, Instagram on the web. And a generative image AI that will make you make, let you make custom wallpapers for your Chromebook with text prompts similar to the android version i guess um you can also generate image backgrounds for video calls in the future too so you can kind of see uh where google's headed again with the with the ai it's doing this stuff uh, should be all cloud powered anyway so i don't understand like why some of these ai features are just like just on the chromebook plus but anyway we will see what's up here i don't know what what is your personal like threshold for how much a chromebook should cost or maybe i'm talking to the wrong people here (laughs) I know. I would not. I don't know. Five hundred max. Yeah, five hundred, you know? six hundred, maybe, depending on how yeah. nice it is. And like, what if you want to like uh, restrict? If you're a writer 
and you want to restrain yourself in terms of like, okay, I can't game on this computer, right? I can't do other stuff, but I want the best keyboard in the world and I want all my cloud stuff. Like, okay, sure. That that makes sense. I'm sorry, best keyboard in the world? Really? Well, I don't know. I'm just, I, oh, I okay. am being, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it has a good That original keyboard. Pixel book had a really nice That's keyboard. So True. I, I have it. it right here. I need to pull it up on it because it's like nice square keys. Okay, Chromebook Plus, they are happening. Also in Google News, not quite Google News, and this is more of a thing that somebody, um, it's more of a report. So Megan Gray posted an editorial, and she is a former uh, FTC uh, worker. She is somebody who used to work at the FTC. She was a former executive of DuckDuckGo, um, has been following the FTC versus Google trial uh, in person. And she noticed this uh, a particular slide uh, that popped up during this thing, um, and what, what's what's interesting is that this uh, in this trial, Google's like keeping everything really close to the vest. Like they are not divulging much. Like it's being a very hush hush. But she noticed a slide that had to do with semantic matching, uh, using it to overhaul its SERP algorithm to specifically like its search algorithm. And this is where we don't have the slide. We don't have any official comment. But this is where uh, Megan goes on to say like this really sounds like a system of semantic matching where when you enter a query, you know, you might expect the search engine to use synonyms, searching at the same time to get you better results. But she is speculating, and this is big speculation at this point, that what Google is actually doing is it looks like uh, it could be altering your searches. So when you're searching for something like children's clothing, Google can convert it to uh, to a synonym to something you know related to children's clothing, like uh, Nikolai brand kids wear. And by doing that, we'll fetch results directly related to that brand. And specifically, we'll fetch ads directly related to that brand. So it's like a weirdly surreptitious way that Google could be pushing, could be like pushing down better general search results in replacement of something that will show up higher, right? In replacement of an ad, which is both better for its ad buyers, you know, and better for Google because Google makes more money this way, but worse for the users. I've noticed Google search has gotten a lot worse over the years. Like, is does this sound like something that could be happening, guys? I'm surprised we're just learning about this now because to me, this no semantic search. Semantic has search happening. has been around for a while. Like that is a right, part right, of it. Right. But this basically replacing your query with more money earning queries is has never been like a confirmed. I mean, yeah, they yeah. shouldn't be replacing your keyword search, right? Surfacing more results that are possibly related to the keywords that you've entered seems pretty normal and reasonable to me. It is the fully replacing what your search was. That's not great, especially surreptitiously, like you said, so that it doesn't even appear in your search keyword history. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know where I stand on this, honestly. I think it, it feels like more capitalism and I mean, I feel like that, that's also cynical like, right now. It's Google. Uh, I, I remember the day when Google, the days when Google search was a pure screen, you know, with just the Google logo on the search box. And uh, occasionally you would get little blue ad links. That's it. Like it was a very pure experience. And then, then they added shopping, then they added more stuff. And I feel like, um, Google's push has been like every company is to make more money, um, to follow Corey Doctorow's intuitification theory, like making more money once they have you trapped using the service and making the service worse because you can't go anywhere else. Right. So, yeah. And to me, this feels like, uh, definitely a product of Google having just an outrageous majority in terms of market share for search. Exactly. For ads. And too. so I, I saw something the other day from Microsoft. I think this might have like during the Microsoft conference, um, we're talking about how Bing search market share has improved year over year. So they have been number two for a long time. But do you know what the actual market share is for Bing? 
Three percent. Three percent. Yeah. So if you you can easily double your market share by having and they're numbered and they're (laughs) number two. Um, and they're number two. Oh my gosh! Two. There was also the the kind of semi related. There was a report about uh, Microsoft wanting to sell Bing to Apple, like just floating that idea like several <laughs> yeah, years I saw ago. That, I, think. I saw that, oh, and that was like, I, that totally makes sense because I do remember over the past decade, like using Bing before Bing AI became a thing we were all talking about. But really, just trying to my my test for search engines. Right, I I know I wrote this article five years ago. I know what the headline is. I, I'm just looking for this thing. And I would look for it on Google, find it instantly. Look for it on Bing and be sent to like far off sites, which have nothing to do with what I'm doing. And yeah. I do remember like, like taking a track. Yeah, yeah. Being in front of uh, Bing engineers talking about like how much better their search engine was several years ago. I'm like, guys, I sat in front of them and I like tried to look. I know I wrote this article, tried to look it up on Bing. Nothing in front of them was like saying like your search engine is failing to some to find something I know is on the internet. Um I don't think Bing ever like really fully got better. It's just they had AI and AI ended up being like the magic uh the magic beans for them I guess or something. To really quickly expand on Sam's point Bing being the 3% and being in the number 2 place that big that 3% number is from people who couldn't be bothered to like replace their default search engine from their browsers yes, on their PC. Yes. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. That's really it. No one's no one's consciously making the choice to go to Bing.com. Everyone's just like, I'm too lazy to uh, use a different browser and different default search engine. And that's the 3%. That's absolutely that's it. it. I mean, Edge on my PC is still set to Bing because I don't search much Same. on it. So that, right. that's just how it rolls. Anyway. Uh, I would yeah. say uh, one one small addition, uh, addition. So depending on the like how you calculate it, it's Bing's market share is either between 3 and 6-ish percent. Yeah. So. There's very... But still, because it's all... But still a huge... Yeah, mm-hmm. Huge drop in the bucket compared to Google. This is all third-party data. So uh, anyway, all this information is going to be really interesting as we see this FTC trial uh, lead up to, because I think it's inarguable that Google has a search monopoly. The question is, did it did it get there unfairly? Is there anything the government can or should do about it? Who, yeah. Who even would be the third place? Because we know Bing is second. Who's the third? Yahoo? Our, our, Yahoo our or Baidu? Your Baidu. Oh, yeah, 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 Baidu. You're That's the whole right. thing. But imagine like Apple doesn't really have search stuff, right? So that that rumor of like Apple just yanking up Bing, that could that could be a little more of a marriage, right? Because right now Apple's in a little bit of hot water over having the search deal with Google where Google pays them billions of dollars a year to be the default search and uh yeah, I don't be surprised if Apple ends up uh, launching some sort of like search initiative down the line because they need to have their own thing at some point. So yeah, there, yeah. there's some there's some kind of rumors and speculation about how Apple is trying to build out search, uh, and especially as a way to like help out Siri um, as well. Absolutely, like Siri search is getting better, and uh, they're not saying AI, but they're using a lot of like not generative AI, but certainly like computational uh, like. Yeah, awareness stuff happening there to find better, find your files better, find the web better, things like that. In other news, uh, we just covered this story. And I think it's kind of interesting. The FCC has begun fining companies over their dead satellites. So that's interesting. And this was covered by Cheyenne McDonald and Gadget. And uh, Dish Network was fined $150,000 after admitted to improperly disposing a satellite. That's not much money for Dish or really any company, but... It's interesting that the FTC did this. Um, it's the first penalty. I'm just reading from the article here. It's the first penalty the agency has enforced as it attempts to crack down on the growing problem of space junk. Um, you know, having extra satellites out there, that's a risk for 
things you're actually launching or live satellites. And DISH was supposed to move this thing uh, higher into like a graveyard orbit, 186 miles above where it operated. It only had enough fuel to make it 76 miles up. So they're being fined for and that. And then they just left it. They just it was like, <laughs> I don't, what are you going to do? You going to go push it? <laughs> It's uh, Can you but, blow at it? <laughs> yeah, blow at it. Come up with something. But this is a growing problem because we have companies launching satellites. We have uh, Elon Musk's, uh, what was it? The, his, Starlink. Yeah. yeah. Starlink. Yeah. Starlink. Like throwing up a lot of satellites for internet, also ruining the sky even more for astronomers. So this is a growing problem. It's fascinating to see the FCC so, kind of so, like do something about it. Yeah. To your point about the fine, would it be more expensive to pay the fine or to go send another thing up there to push? Absolutely, more expensive to go push the thing. You think you can't get anything in space? So you still not made it right. You still not made it like a penalty harsh enough. I think it's not a harsh enough penalty, but I think it is a start, and it could be it could be leading you know down the line. Like okay, yeah, you really got to do. It's more you're paying a fine, and you got to figure out how to move that thing because we need to clear out space. So who knows what's going to happen down the line with all this stuff? But I find that pretty cool. Uh, we also saw a story, uh, podcast producer Ben found this, uh, the Nobel Chemistry Prize was awarded to the creators of Quantum Dots. We talk about Quantum Dots quite a bit, and I found this kind of cool. Scientists uh, Munji Bawendi, Louis Bruce, and Alexei Akimov won the 2023 prize. Uh, Quantum Dots, I'm reading from a Reuters, Reuters piece here, they're tiny clusters of, of atoms which are used to create uh, sharper colors in flat screens, uh, LED lamps, things like that. I remember a world before quantum dots, you know, before QLED became a thing that Samsung and other companies were selling. And let me tell you, it was not, uh, the world was less colorful. Like back then, plasma TVs kind of ruled the world because they were so, they had pure black levels. They had so much better contrast than LCDs. Um, OLED was a thing that was slowly happening, but it was so expensive. It wasn't like the thing anybody could really afford. And then the QLED started popping up around like 2014, 2015, and I think really gave LCD tech or LED tech a lot, a bigger, a bigger like lifespan, right? So Q, uh, quantum dots are now in pretty much most high-end screens if they're not OLED. And now we even see like QD OLED, which is quantum yep. dots married to Like on that, that Alienware from last yeah. year, which is really nice. Beautiful screen. I love that. I dream about that screen. So... And it's yeah. really interesting because, like, if you look even further back in, like, TV tech history, there were companies like Sharp that had the yellow pixels to, like, try to increase color content. And so it's interesting to see that, like, progression of technology over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sony did some really cool things with its Trinitron CRTs, like, back in the day, too, to, like, get color better. So this has been, like, a, a long battle, and it's cool to see the people who made Quantum Dots, uh, you know, awarded for it. So just want to say... That's neat. I see podcast producer Ben put in some notes here. So let's see here. Quantum dots are tiny. One QLED is the same size compared to a football as a football is compared to the planet Earth. That's cool. Let's move on to what we've been working on, folks. What do you got? Sherlyn, I feel like you are just so busy. You're always busy. Um, Yeah, we're going to be working on the new Pixel devices that were just announced. We're going to be reviewing them. Uh, and, you know, they go on sale next week on October 12th. So... You know, hopefully we'll have our reviews up around that time. You know, uh, can't say much more. I'm still also working on the watchOS review um, that has been on my plate for since watchOS was <laughs> launched. I don't know, like a couple weeks ago. There's been a lot going on in my life, so I, it's just really hard to like uh, keep up. But then afterwards, hopefully for the last two weeks of October, I will be off on time off. Yep. Let's uh, let's all tell Sherlyn how much we appreciate 
her reviews because Aww. oh man you you have been buried sam i also know you've been buried and you have a lot of stuff you're juggling too right yep so uh obviously you know looking like sherlyn said looking forward to uh doing more coverage on the pixel 8 uh and i uh, also have the surface laptop studio 2 um which is uh really interesting not a ton has changed with that um but does you know, it does um, it still make you mad the way it made the last one made me mad because like Microsoft's like here's a quad core computer as our power or surface powerhouse and I'm like shut up this is I, I think just way too late for that yeah I just think because the processor is more relevant and more up to date than it was on the but last still one, 12th have, gen it's last year's Intel right I think I believe it's 13th gen um I could be wrong about oh that, no no but, yeah it's 13th um, gen you're right uh, the go yeah, but yeah. even then Intel just announced the 14th gen chip so. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's the kind of timing that's very frustrating. Mm-hmm. So better. Okay, cool. Looking forward to it. Um, I just reviewed the Surface Laptop Go 3 because Microsoft just like shoved that embargo right at us really quickly. Um, I do have to say, this has gone from a computer I thought to be like a weird thing Microsoft made, a super cheap PC that was selling for $549 at its cheapest three years ago. Now the price has raised considerably, but you know what? I think it is a much better um, actual like entry Maybe like a good mid-range computer. It starts at seven ninety-nine now. Can get up to sixteen gigabytes of RAM at nine ninety-nine. Go check out my review because I I'm still using it to type things, and it's a great keyboard. It's a, it's like fast. It's a twelfth gen chip, not like the speediest, but a ten core twelfth gen chip, and it's like this is kind of a cool thing Microsoft has made, especially because I'm so disappointed by all the other Surface devices right now. So cool. Yeah. And and, and the laptop go line was always historically like a little bit underpowered yes. and it's yes. like, Hey, what do you know? You, you get better, better specs. And suddenly this is like a really interesting machine. Still really interesting. And uh, yeah, really nice. It's two and a half pounds. If you miss the MacBook, the 12 inch MacBook, this oh, is the, the computer, cute the cute one. This is like kind of in that territory. I think that's pretty cool. Uh, let's move on to our pop culture picks of the week, and we're just going to blast through these. Sherlyn, what's up? So October uh, is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so just want to quickly shout out to everyone, uh, tell people in your lives, etc. get checked. Um, also, don't just buy and wear a pink thing, just know what you're <laughs> supporting and what you're trying to, 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 you know, help with. Don't buy any Spread t-shirts awareness. off of Twitter. Like any of those, like yeah, I found the original you know, be, copycat shirts. Yeah, yeah, be careful about the organizations you think you're giving your money to. Be a bit more aware. That's just general Breast Cancer Awareness Month stuff. Um, but I have, and somewhat related, um, one of my friends recommended this podcast to me a while ago. And I only recently started listening to it because of the cancer tie-in. But um, Scamanda is a podcast uh, wherever available. I've known many of Scamanda, about- yeah. Yeah, but this is about Amanda C. Riley. Mm-hmm. A back in the day, she was a blogger. She blogged about how um, you know she was a mom uh, and also multiple uh, cancer survivor, like you know multiple relapses and whatever. Turns out she never, probably never had cancer, uh, but scammed a lot of people and on the internet, some celebrities like Leanne Rhymes also managed yep. to get tricked uh, somehow yep. um, into into um, giving her money. And uh, especially this church that she went to, and a hundred thousand dollars was only the amount of money they were able to trace uh, that happened that was transferred over like wire. So it was wire fraud was what she got, um, you know, or charged on. But there were a lot of other things that she got that you know they couldn't really like hold uh, to her. Um, so it was a very it's a fascinating podcast by um, uh, Lion Star uh, Productions, I think Lionsgate. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those. Yeah. Uh, it has a lion in the name. Yeah, Lionsgate. Uh, and, you know, um, executive produced by uh, Charlie, I think Webster was the last name, and uh, investigative uh, producer Nancy Moscatella. So very fascinating. Available. I've been listening to it on Spotify. It's also on Apple Podcasts and more. Uh, RIP Google Podcasts. Um. Yeah, but sent to the Google graveyard, I guess. Oh my God. Yeah. Sam, exactly. what's up? Apparently, I'm in just like Disney uh, property land. So I just finished up Ahsoka, which is not quite as good as Andor. Um, but I, as a continuation of the Rebels and the Clone Wars uh, franchises, I actually liked it a lot. I thought the casting was excellent. Um, and so the last episode came out this week. And then I'm jumping right into Loki, which starts up. And, uh, <laughs> That's how they you get know, to. I, yeah. I I know I know uh, yeah the the Disney timing is great um but uh so I, I know I think Loki wait is there a new season of Loki like, there is and Kihyo Kwan yeah. is in it so oh! yes that's awesome and, and I, th- I think you know Loki was kind of like an underrated uh, kind of a little underrated. weird and out there uh, out so there good. franchise especially for Disney but I enjoyed it so I'm happy for a second yeah season. I I enjoy the first Loki season more than you I loved it yeah I I still need to finish Ahsoka but I do have to say I was disappointed by the first two episodes and then like three four and five really got me into it because I realized I'm a simple man and I love lightsabers and it has a lot of lightsabers and like cool stuff and Ray Stevenson being a really good bad guy and casting all around being fantastic. Uh, hot space people gotta love it fun to watch um i i hope it ended well sam like i, I also had yes, a lot of uh, there, there's a return of or, or the first like live action appearance of one of like the biggest most important uh star wars baddies star ever, wars so, is fraser uh, yeah 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 so it, it's great he's basically imagine if fraser was a star wars villain that's kind of the vibes i've been getting from him but okay I do want to quickly shout out uh, Wes Anderson has a series of short films on Amazon on Netflix right now. You wouldn't know it because Netflix is not really promoting it. So go to Netflix search search. And I think these are some of the best things Wes Anderson has ever done. There are a series of adaptations of Roald Dahl uh, shorts and they're all kind of amazing in their own way. So if you want like a bit of joy and a bit of goodness in your life, go check out the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, which is the longest one I think uh, sets up like how they're doing this because he's adapting Roald Dahl by basically just having the character say literally all the dialogue and all the like stage directions from the stories. It's a very like, um, like just being aware of the artifice of what they're doing. Has a great cast, Benedict Cumberbatch, Dev Patel, Ben Kingsley, Richard Ayoade. Uh, Ray Bynes is in this quite a bit too. Um, I love all these shorts. There's also Poison, which is I think is one of the best like little 20 minute thrillers uh, that's been made recently. The Rat Catcher and The Swan. But start with the wonderful story of Henry Sugar, which... Uh, to me kind of makes up for the Darjeeling Limited which was uh, Wes Anderson's people going to India to find themselves movie which uh, annoyed the hell out of me yeah so these are fantastic check them out well that's it for our episode this week everyone thank you as always for listening our theme music is by game composer Dale North our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien the podcast is produced by Ben Elman you can find Sam online at... On X, I guess is what we call it now, mm-hmm. at Sam Rutherford. And you can find Davindra online at... Still at Davindra on Twitter. Never going to call it X. And also at Davindra at Mastodon.social on Mastodon. And I'm on Blue Sky as well. Find me. Talk to me at those other places. Not so much Twitter. Aw. Well, if you need me, I am reachable on threads because I will not stop using it, I guess. Uh, my threads handle is the same as my Instagram handle, which is C-H-E-R-L-Y-N-N-S-T-A-G-R-A-M. If you really must, you can find me on Twitter slash X at Sherlyn Lowe. 
Email us your thoughts at podcastedengadget.com. Leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe on anything that gets podcasts. Marvel superhero that never made it to the pages. You know what I mean?